Hello, welcome to your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast. This week we've done things a bit differently than we usually do them. We have invited some special guests here at Directives offices to talk about the EU's packaging and uh, packaging waste regulation, which is a very long story, but currently it has turned to a very hot topic as it is being examined by legislators. So I'll give the floor to Frederick Simon to dissect this topic and enjoy this very interesting conversation. Hi everyone, this is Frédéric Simon, I'm the Energy and Environment Editor of Euractive. This episode is supported by ACE, the Alliance for Beverage Cartons and the Environment. More about them at www.beveragecarton.eu. Today we will dive into the EU's Packaging and Packaging Waste Regulation, which was tabled in November last year by the European Commission and which is currently being examined by legislators. Now, the regulation has been uh, years in the making and it brings a host of new ideas on the table to reduce packaging waste, promote recycling and reduce consumption of primary raw materials. But does this regulation actually fit the bill? Joining us today to discuss this is Nils Strawvalds, a Finnish MEP from the Liberal Renew Group in the European Parliament. Jean-Pierre Schweitzer from the European Environmental Bureau, an alliance of green NGOs, and Annick Carpentier from ACE, the Alliance of Beverage Cartons and the Environment. Welcome to all three of you and thanks for joining us today. Now to get the debate started, uh, let me rewind a little bit and look at the previous legislation, the Packaging and Packaging Waste Directive, which was last uh, updated in 2018. One of the objectives of the directive uh, since um, a number of years was to try and create a single market uh, for waste across the EU. Some in the European Parliament a few years back were even talking about creating a Schengen area for waste, where secondary raw materials would be traded freely across the borders. Now, Nils Storvalds, you were involved in the last uh, revision of the packaging directive. You were shadow rapporteur in the European Parliament. Would you say those attempts to harmonize waste legislation have failed and that something new had to be tried? Well, I don't know if we should say that it has failed. But uh, when we speak with politicians or about politicians, then there is a tendency, and I think that's a tendency you can find in the European Parliament more often than you would actually like to find it. There is a tendency to, to think that things, things are actually simple and it can, they can be made in certain ways. And therefore, we easily forget that 27 and at that time 28 member states had very different approaches to the whole problem. So if you forget the, the setup, then you might not reach the goal in the same way you hoped. That's, I think that's the problem in the background here. So you think that the legislators at the time were overly optimistic maybe, thinking that waste and was still, something that could be like um, uh, treated <laughs> as a commodity? And they still are. So yes. Yeah. Why, why was there so much resistance from the member states, in your view? Well, I don't know if we had very much resistance. From a Scandinavian perspective, I think uh, most Scandinavian MEPs thought, hey, we have done it. 
what's the problem here? And that's actually, in a way, that's true even today. If you look at, at uh, the responsibility and the return rate in, in the Scandinavian countries, we are speaking of a, of a different planet in a way. Jean-Pierre Schweitzer, let me turn to you now about the role of the single market and harmonization in waste legislation. Do you believe this is something that is really a must, which is really necessary to improve environmental outcomes when it comes to waste and, and packaging waste? I agree with your comment that the existing legislation has failed to an extent, and we see this in the growing levels of packaging waste. Now at the highest levels, they've been slightly less than last year, but the general trend has been growing close to 80 million tons now. Granted, there's been an increase in the in the rate of uh, recycling for, for some materials, although plastic's still notably very poor. Carton, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a very good packaging material, but incredibly difficult to recycle. We'll come onto that soon as well. But we also have the environmental context. Recently, the, the Joint Research Center from the, from the European Commission is showing us with the indicator, the consumption footprint, that in several areas, we are exceeding planetary boundaries in the level we are consuming. It's climate change its um, um, ecotoxicity, it's also resource use of fossils, but we are close to it also on abiotic resources as well. So the general message we are getting is that we are over-consuming. And on top of that, we have our climate obligations as well uh, with, uh, with respect to the, the Paris Agreement. So we need to reduce our overall level of consumption actually, also its impacts. The focus should really be on the impacts of consumption. The existing packaging legislation failed because it basically let any kind of packaging onto the, the European market. It set some ideas about recyclability or, or reuse, but in practice, and this is confirmed by our, our members uh, in different countries who've tried to challenge businesses when they've clearly done over packaging or they've just covered things in plastics unnecessarily and there was nothing they could could do about it so these kind of practices need to be stopped whether or not maybe i think you were suggesting uh, the regulation or a single market approach is the right one i think today we're in a situation where there is no harmonization at all actually so there is i think potential to go towards much more harmonization but there are also some some contradictions in the in the proposal because do, do you think it goes far enough the proposal when it comes to harmonization you know setting things like eco design standards for example or you know product specific uh, regulations does it go far enough in your view I think there are certain aspects where it makes sense to have a single market approach. For example, the eco-design of packaging, setting recyclability criteria, also to a certain extent the design of EPR systems in terms of how the fees are modulated, labelling. We've seen France has some good initiatives on labelling, but if every member state goes their own way, then it's incredibly difficult for someone even just to and put... none a, of that is harmonised for the moment. No, it's incredibly difficult to put a product on the market. So I think there are many areas where more can be done on harmonisation. But there's also limitations in the, in the proposal. For example, there's a proposal that you can put any kind of innovative packaging on the market for five years. What message does this send, actually? So we can have harmonisation, but you can just... You, can, you have five-year uh, free pass to do whatever you want as well. So there's more work to be done, I think. 
Annie Carpentier, I, I saw you uh, nodding uh, several times. Um, I, I mean, ACE, like many other industry groups, is very much in favor, I understand, of greater harmonization on the single market. So do you believe this packaging waste regulation goes far enough when it comes to setting those kinds of standards? Okay, maybe a word first of introduction and also we bouncing on, on what uh, my panelist, colleague panelist said. PPWD, in my view, sets the trend, or it's set in the past the trend towards you know more recyclability, more recycling, more ambitious targets, maybe. This PPWR proposal goes even further, but my key question is, how do we get there together? How do we manage to reach those targets? Because it's nice you have now a new calculation method for the recycling rates, so complex. I don't know if any member states will ever implement it by the books because it's too complex. And yes, it would mean that you really calculate what is duly recycled. But member states today do not even reach the targets with the old method. So at one point, we're all going to hit the wall together. And, and I really think, and, and frankly, you know, we, we maybe have different positions, but I, I think that we do need and we owe this to society to work together, to really do together life cycle assessments, to work together on what are the enabling conditions that we need. Because otherwise, it's not just industry that will fail and may be banned. It's NGO that will see things not happening. And it's MEPs who will say, well, I have not fulfilled my duty somehow. And maybe the commission as well. On the harmonization, I think there's two aspects there. There's, of course, the harmonizations of the requirements from the regulation itself. And that should be as harmonized as possible. Because otherwise, as a matter of fact, you have industry facing different requirements in Balearic Islands or a region in Spain or wherever. And then you need to have a special packaging for that special region. And if you have not only 27, maybe 50 different requirements, that becomes a loss of investments. That investments could be actually diverted to innovation to sustainability criteria. So you welcome the, the we Commission's regulation welcome. there. You think we, it goes we far do, enough? Absolutely, except there's a little in Article 3, 4, 4. Article 4, it says, but member states can nevertheless go a bit further, or they can nevertheless go further on sustainability criteria. Right. What does that mean? I'm not sure. And okay. then the second part That shouldn't the, be allowed then, in your in view? In my view, we should really have which are already so ambitious, back to my first point. I mean, you know, let's get there first. One rule and stick to You it. know, let's get there first all together, and then, you know, let's see. The second thing of the harmonization is the implementation. And indeed, there, uh, MEP Tolbas rightly said, you have different cultures, different things, etc. Let's try to see what works and try to discuss among member states, regions, what is culturally acceptable. Uh, but maybe you don't need to have in, indeed DRS in throughout the union. Maybe DRS works well, I don't know, in Finland and in Belgium you have a good system, you don't need DRS. So I think implementation is something else. The rules needs to be implemented. Just a final word on climate change you both mentioned. That is a failing of this proposal of PPWR. You need to collect enough of the stuff in order to have sufficient quantities so that it becomes economically viable to recycle as well. And I understand this is a key point that ACE has made with the packaging regulation, is that there are not enough in terms of collection uh, targets, uh, in your view. 
so can you explain what's in the regulation or, what, or what's not in the regulation that you wanted to see? Commission says 2035 packaging, you need to be recycled at scale, which will mean on average 75% recycling across the EU. To get to 75%, any material, because again, you have losses at collection, at sorting and at recycling, you need to be collected about 85-90%. Any material, any packaging, that's the basis. The problem is that in the past, the past PPWD, you had targets from member states. And if they don't reach, commission says, member states, no good. In this case, the commission says, industry, if you are not recycled at scale, you are banned. End of the game. And that is another ball game, if I may say. So in this sense, we call for good governance and for enabling conditions. What is it? We say, member states, you need to collect beverage packaging because it's true for all packaging, at 90% by 2030. And you may say, or member states may say, wow, but actually sharing responsibilities. Industry is responsible to innovate. Industry is responsible to make its packaging recyclable, to pay the EPR fees, but member states need to set the targets for the EPR schemes. So we industry will pay. It's not like member states suddenly will... That's the name of the game. That's how it is organized. But give us the possibility. Okay, Jean-Pierre Schweitzer, on collection, do you think the Commission went far enough uh, in, in its ambitions to, to try and improve collection of, of packaging in the regulation? Definitely uh, collection is an important part of uh, recycling, but it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation. Is the packaging recyclable? Um, because the authorities are forced to collect it or because it's actually been designed to be recycled in the first place. Our concern is that today on the market, there are plenty of packaging materials which are very difficult to recycle, require dedicated recycling streams and infrastructure, which will cost a lot of money to implement. Carton is a good example where they are making efforts to make the product more recyclable and install that infrastructure. But there are other types of materials like flexible uh, plastics, for example, which will need much more infrastructure to, to be recycled. So is do we force the municipalities to collect all of this waste and then say, well, the onus is on you now to invest in the infrastructure to recycle this material? Or do we look at the design from the first place and say, are there any of these materials which are difficult to recycle, which we may not need? And we think we need to take that first reflection first and say, okay, this is how we need to design packaging so it fits in the existing infrastructure we have. Is there some gap where we can try to increase the infrastructure we have to collect the rest of it? And is there something left over which is not recyclable? We think that moment needs to happen first. In a way, that's starting to be done in terms of the designed for recycling requirements, but we are also worried about the number of delegated acts foreseen in the legislation, which, which means that a lot is left with a big question mark about what will actually happen between now and 2030 and 2035. In addition to that, there is the reality that the recycling at scale uh, only applies to 75% of the, the population. So that means a quarter of Europeans might not have the recycling infrastructure to actually accept that. That, that type of packaging. So does that mean you force the municipalities in that 
quarter of the European population to collect that waste for what? For it to be burnt or, or landfilled? It doesn't make sense for me. So the, the, having collection targets is a good idea, but for recyclable materials. So the logic of the process needs to be right. And we need to have the design for recycling uh, criteria up front and work with that first. Okay, let me turn now to uh, what is probably the most controversial topic so far, at least in the packaging regulation. I'm talking about the reuse targets. So, Annick Carpentier, I know this has been a rather sensitive um, topic for the paper-based packaging sector, uh, which has invested quite heavily in, in recycling. Um, ACE has argued that reuse will risk undermining uh, recycling in some cases. So can you explain why you believe this is the case and, and why should we care as consumers? We really take it more again from consumers' needs, societal needs, and again we pack mainly sensitive products and that's why you use that packaging. You, I know that there is some water in, in beverage carton, but that's really not the main market. And, but for milk, juice, dairy, you need this very specific packaging. And, and what we say about reuse is that you need to take it again from, does it make sense? Because again, you cannot add preservatives to milk and juice. You, you can, you know, there are products that can be wasted very quickly. So at the end of the day, does it really make sense to have a reuse target for those products? And the answer is no. We do not believe that reuse has no place. To the contrary, reuse has a place in today and in tomorrow's society. But we need to test or let's say assess the measures against, in our view, the principles of governance, feasibility, environmental and health and safety benefits, and enabling conditions. You're saying for milk, and juice may not be the best, but no. maybe for other types of products. Um, there I mean, is the, the, the commission has mentioned beer bottles, for example, something that could be standardized uh, more widely uh, uh, across the EU and, and more suitable for reuse. Yeah, is that it's, an it's, example? It's hard for me to take a position for the beer industry because <laughs> I'm going to be shooting at. But, um, but you may be a beer consumer. I'm, no, I don't like actually, but that's another issue. That's her last day on the jobs. <laughs> but, can I come in? Please. Uh, there was a Finnish company there some 10 years ago that decided that, yes, we would like to have reuse bottles for, for soft drinks. And they, they made very good, very durable plastic uh, bottles for, for, for this purpose. And almost half, half of them actually vanished during the process, because if you make something which is too good, then it's used for other purposes. So in every car shop, you could find uh, that, that bottle for using for your oil, for instance. And if it has been used for oil, you can't clean it ever. There is a very interesting pilot project going on now for fast food restaurants in France and Germany. Uh, and the first we heard that they don't get their cups back because they are too good. Mm. Jean-Pierre Schweitzer, the, the NGOs have been pushing quite heavily for reuse. So what, what's your take? Definitely. I mean, we were frustrated from the beginning of the work back in 2019 from the Commission that they, they didn't start looking at reuse seriously from the beginning. Um, but we're glad that reuse and waste prevention is now part of the, the proposal. I think it's a bit of a... Um, it's a bit misleading to say that reuse and recycling are working against each other. When you look into the, the data of 
the amount of packaging waste we have today, the level of recycling we have today, so and the waste prevention target, which includes uh, reuse, we're roughly by 2030 meant to go back to the level of waste, packaging waste we had in 2015. And from there, there's plenty of scope for recycling to grow in terms of tens of millions of tons of packaging not yet recycled. So there is more recycling capacity needed. And that's just talking about the volumes, not the quality as well, because a lot of what we say is recycled today. Carton is a good example. There's more work to be done there in terms of recovering the aluminium and the plastic, not just the fibres from, from the carton. So in terms of improving volumes and quality of recycling, even with the reduction of packaging waste with the reuse targets, there's plenty of scope for recycling to increase. Re reuse has almost entirely disappeared huh, from uh, the European market. I mean, I remember, OK, I'm starting to get a bit old, but there was a milkman still in Belgium Okay, a few years ago. I mean, those, those people have completely disappeared. Personally, I, I don't drink a lot of juice, but I, my, I buy my juice in a DRS system from the Payotan land here, actually, local juice, and it, it works very well. Um, and I'm sure it has no additives in it as well. No, so no, 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 I, enjoy, I enjoy drinking juice from, from, uh, from a local farm. Um, but you're completely right that the level of reuse has completely declined. There's, there's not a lot of data on reuse in the packaging sector because it's only recently we have actually an obligation to start collecting data on this. Uh, but the data we have, you have member states like Denmark, they've declined in the beverage sector from 80% to, I think, less than 10% today. So there has been a huge decline across different member states who were really practicing reuse, particularly in the beverage sector at a large scale. So that's definitely something we've witnessed. So it's, it's about finding some kind of old lost habits, maybe. Go ahead, Mr. Slight, slightly, slightly more complicated. I think uh, Jean-Pierre's example was very nice. But if I could go home to Finland and then try to find a farm where I could get some juice, then I would probably be looking for that farm for a long time. So again, you have diff very different circumstances. So what could suit you in Belgium wouldn't sort of work back home. And that's one of the problems we should be able to address also, that the, the old saying of one size doesn't fit all, that is true. And but uh, so we need, I do agree that we need more reuse, but as well, what has been said here shows that that's not very easy. That's not very easy. Jean-Pierre Scheisser, do you see areas where reuse actually doesn't make sense? It's a very good question. I think, uh, no, 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 it's a good question. And I have thought of, I thought of some, uh, some examples. For example, someone, dairy, there are good examples. Like, in fact, there is a report recently from UN Environment looking at LCA for different food groups. Yeah, and life cycle assessment. Life cycle assessment, thank you. And they, they really make the case that for some products with a very high environmental impact, like meat or dairy, for example, it could make sense to have well-designed single-use packaging that extends the life of, of that product. But for most food groups, their conclusion is that actually reuse is the best option or completely recyclable single-use packaging. So I think there is 
some very high impact product, uh, food groups where it can make sense. That's, the, that's what the, the evidence is telling us. Okay, I think we're going to end with this now. It's a question about how you see the, the negotiations developing from now on, because uh, the European Parliament will be in recess for the uh, next uh, European elections. It's spring 2024, so that doesn't leave a lot of time. Uh, Neil Strawvalds, in, in the European Parliament, have you already discussed um, you know, some aspects of the, um, of the regulation regarding uh, the timing? Um, do you expect this discussion to, um, to last until after? The European election, or do you believe it can be all wrapped up? No, we, had a, we had a very good uh, exchange with uh, my uh, coordinating colleague from from the industry co committee, because there is now the usual fight going on in the European Parliament: who gets what and under what circumstances. Martina said very wisely: if we fight too long about this, then we won't be able to do it. So we need to first show some will of cooperation between the four different committees now sort of grab, trying to grab it. If we don't find that on peaceful grounds, then it goes easily to May and the COP, the, the Conference of Presidents. Uh, that's, that's in May. Then we have six weeks to the summer break, uh, which means that we are coming back to the issue in the beginning of September, and if that's the case, then I said, there's no way, this is fair too complicated. So we need to find a solution in the, in the, among the different wills in, in the parliament. So that's with the committees, but then there's also the political groups. Yes, yeah, that's the next step. But uh, my reading, after being here for 11 years, that at the end of, the, of uh, every mandate, before they are starting the campaign, people have actually understand that cooperation and and compromises that's what we are doing. So and that's the good part. We I think we are better shaped for a discussion where we don't tear the other political papers apart in the very beginning, but we we start to read them and we start to discuss as human beings. Okay, so you think so there's a chance that, that, <laughs> there is a chance that we can make it. But then the question is, do you want to incentivize material with a low carbon footprint or potentially fully renewable? Or do you want to incentivize more use of plastic? The targets on waste reductions incentivize plastic because it's by weight. And it simply incentivizes plastic. And everybody knows it now. So it's, it's, it's a fact. So that's a question of choice. I think on the objectives, fully aligned. But on how to get there, there's different ways to go to Rome, and maybe that one is not the best one. On the, uh, on the timeline, do you think timeline, it, it, it can be met? I mean, we certainly as industry, we like predictability because it allows investments and innovation. So we, we do, and we do need some rules, and we do need to know the name of the game. But we also don't want to have a sub-D2, for those yeah, who so don't you, understand. You don't want it rushed. <laughs> no, it's, we want a good piece of legislation. We want a mm. robust piece of legislation. Yeah. Because the single-use plastic directive, notably with the amount of delegated acts, it has left a lot of uncertainties. There mm. are still some delegated acts which have not been adopted. I've 
two years of delay. That and now we have 29. Work. Exactly. Jean-Pierre so, Feitz, uh, on, on, on the deadlines, you think they can be met or you, you think this is legislation that needs to go through relatively fast or do you agree it shouldn't be rushed? I think the the timeline set by the parliament should be should be stuck to and uh, I hope the council can follow suit as well. Okay, uh, I think we'll have to close it here. Uh, it's been a real pleasure having all three of you uh, with us. Thanks again to ACE for supporting this episode. This was your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast. Visit your Active for the latest news. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on your favorite podcasting app. This episode was produced by Frederick Simon and it was edited by Evie Chiori. Thank you for listening. <laughs>